I wanted to share with you some uh, things that I think are just real appropriate. You're going to see that we're doing a brand new series. It's very tied to some changes we're making as a, as a church family. And uh, we have been signing a covenant. Everybody know about the covenant? Well, I heard plenty about the covenant when I first got here. I'd go out to dinner with one of you and somebody would talk about the covenant. And then I'd go out with somebody else a day or two later and I'd, I went out with many of you. Uh, and I'd hear about the covenant, and I'd hear about how you didn't care for it, and you didn't uh, like signing it every year. And uh, we are, have proposed to you uh, just in the last months uh, something that we call our essential, our essential expectations, that if you join the church, these are our essential expectations to do church together. And it also has on there, besides what we expect of you, what we will give you in return. And you do sign that one time. That will be presented here in a couple of weeks when we have a business meeting for the church body to adopt. And it would take place of what we have known as the covenant. But this series is to go with those seven statements. And today I just wanted to have kind of a message that was kind of a kickoff. It is 2019. I want you to actually say that out loud with me, that it's 2019. Isn't that amazing? It's just so amazing that this, it's, here it is, it's, it's here, 2019. I want to share with you a hypothetical situation. I, pastors love these. You do know that, right? But I'm going to paint a little hypothetical situation for you this morning. Let's pretend that you're somebody from your bank calls you and they call you and tell you that you need to come to whatever branch you come to and uh, one of the officers at the bank would like to have a private meeting with you. That there's something that's just you need to, to tend to. Do you think you'd get there in a hurry? You might even leave work, take a break and go and do that. You sure sure you would if your bank did that. Well, imagine when you get to the bank, the officer takes you into their office and he pulls out a file. And in the file is a letter, and the letter is addressed to you. And in the letter it says this, I would like to be a part of helping you the rest of your life. I am going to put into your bank account 800 and $64 every single day. Well, I think most of us would have revival at that point, right? You'd be like, okay, this isn't bad news at the bank. This is good news. $864 every single day. And you would be excited about that. Then you read a clause at the end of that sentence that says this, but there is a catch. Well, there's no free meals out there, right? So what's the catch? The catch is this. All $864 that is deposited into your account every single day for the rest of your life, you have to spend all of it every day. Do you think you could do that? You do think you could do that. Some days you might just spend $500, huh? Here's the catch. If you don't spend it, it's put back into this donor's account. Now, here's where it becomes reality and not hypothetical or pretend. 
we serve a God that invests 86,400 seconds in your life as a gift from him to you every day that we call life. There's over 1,400 minutes in that 24-hour period. 24 hours, the only time it changes is when we have daylight savings where we might gain an hour and we might lose an hour, but it all comes together where it stays the same really after the whole year plays out. There's no 25-hour days except that one day of the year, and then there's one that's 23, right? While you're sleeping, magically it changes, right? God has invested 86,400 seconds in your life every single day that he gives you life. He gives that to you. You will spend it all. You have to decide what will be productive and what is wasted. But you're going to spend every bit of it, all 1,400 and some minutes, 24 hours a day, you will decide to a degree how you spend that, what you do with your free time. In light of that, I want to take you to a passage that calls us to really evaluate what we do with our time and how we spend it. Because you will spend it and you'll spend it once. That's it. Each day I get to use that day that God gave me, and here you are, you've arrived in 2019. One thing I already know today, that every person in here is alive, right? You have lived to this day. God has given you part of 2019 already, and you have this day to live, and we should live it for Him, amen? I want you to look with me at the scripture passage. It's just a tremendous passage. I think to kind of get the full impact, I want to read it to you. So let's all stand together and let me read this passage. It starts in verse 11. I'm in Romans chapter 13, and it says this. And when the Bible tells you, and do this, what do you think God means? I think he means, and do this, right? He means, get busy doing this. What does he say? He says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery or in dissension or jealousy, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Isn't that amazing that there's so much scripture given to us about how to live out the Christian life? We need lots of help, don't we? And we need to walk away from the way we used to do things, which is described at the end of that passage. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a brand new year. And Lord, I am so excited about the year to come. Lord, I've spent a year and I've, I have been holding things in my heart and in my spirit. And Lord, being quiet about some vision that you've been putting in my heart. This weekend, we were so blessed as a staff to get away. And I, Lord, I'm so proud of our staff. They, they've been dreaming dreams. And Lord, we just are so excited to start sharing that with other leadership. And Lord, in the days ahead, to start sharing with the church. 
Father, we thank you for the beginning of a strategic ministry plan that uh, we hope to see spread through the entire church and help us be more effective. And Lord, we pray that you would use it for your glory. We're going to focus on your word. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to focus on the great commandment and the great commission and practicing those two uh, very high priority things above all things in the life of our church. So Lord, help us to do that with great enthusiasm. May this passage speak to us about our personal life starting on this sixth day of January. And Lord, may we do what you say. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, wow. I have been behaving. I have. I have. You know, I have a hard time being quiet. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed I talk a lot? You you all all have noticed that, right? I'm a verbal kind of guy. And uh, you get long messages sometimes because of that. I decided because I pastored this year, I've pastored, I've been in ministry for 40 years. The reason I tell you that, yeah, I mean, praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've learned to do things sometimes well, and sometimes I've learned and had that hard knocks of life school that I've been in, and we've all been there. And there's things that I could have done better as a pastor, there's ways I could have led. And here's what I decided to do before I came. I felt like God said, don't go in there blaring and glaring with a bunch of vision right up front and telling them we need to change this, 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 and this. Because they've already been doing church. They all know they can do it more effectively. They know they need to grow. They know we need to do some other things. Sure. But I decided, I just felt like the Lord said, go get to know everybody. Spend a year building relationships. Now, you know me, so guess what? It's going to be a little different this year, I can tell you that. I've been preaching about things, but I haven't been spelling out things. And, uh, man, the staff and I, I can just tell you, we had a such, we just, man, we just, we just had just a vision-casting awesome time together. And I was so proud of some of them, uh, that the things that they shared and the dreams that they're dreaming. I told him, I said, now remember this, it's so important that you realize we all have our time in the sun and we won't be the staff of the Oaks at some other time down the road. This is our time now and we have to act. So this passage is very much to us as a staff today. It's also to you. And I told them we're in the spotlight of these ministry positions now And we need to make the most of that and do the best that we possibly can. Serve Christ, walk in His Spirit, in the fullness of God, and lead the church to greater days. And man, they cast some great vision. But the hard part is when we come back from the retreat. And now the dreams that we talked about, and we're going to be sharing those with you, we have to build concrete steps of how do you get from here to there. And that is the tough part of strategic ministry planning and vision for churches. That's the hard part. Dreaming is easy in a way. Doing it is the tough part. So you pray for your staff. I'm going to ask the staff to join me here at the altar at the end of the service. I'm also going to have, uh, for the ones that are in the service today, um, some of them are serving other places this service, and they were in, in here before. 
uh, I'm going to have two other teams, our, our new deacon officers and uh, that are in this service, and also I want to introduce you to a team and some of the first wave of vision that you'll see that will be rolling out. So I want to share that with you this morning. Um, I said all that to get to the message, okay? Join me in the book of Romans now, all right? Chapter 13. Here's the truth that jumps off the page. He tells us that time is extremely short. Have you come to realize that in your life? The only person in this room that doesn't know that is a young person that hasn't figured that out yet because they haven't walked enough life. It is true, it's short. In the New American Standard, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 is translated this way. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Isn't that amazing that he tells us that? You see, we need to understand that the time that we have here on earth, it's very short. Even if you live to be an old man or an old woman, it's still going to be short. It really will. It's high time we wake up. Listen to this. The beginning of that passage says, and do this. Listen, God is just emphatically telling us we need to do this. In the Christian life, following Christ, we need to do this. What do we need to do? He said, and do this. It's time for us to wake up. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Anybody in here a little sleepy this morning? Don't raise your hand. I'll spot you later. All right? And there will be a moment in the service that I will do something just for you because I don't want you to miss anything. And I will just, I will just kind of, you know, just at some moment, I'll, I'll just say, Austin, wake up! He staffed, so that was safe. I eyeballed several of you, and I started to call your name, but I didn't want people to think you sleep in church, all right? Because somebody might think that. My vulnerability time, I can tell you, is about 5 to 6 o'clock in the afternoon, especially if I get in a comfortable chair or couch. Um, I'm a believer in power napping, aren't you? I am. I'm a believer in it, man. I tell you what, some of those times when I've got evening activities, if, if uh, man, I can hit that executive chair in the office for just a few minutes before, and it's, it only takes me about 20, 30 minutes, and then I wake up and I'm like, yes, I'm refreshed. Here we go. And it just does something for me. Now, I don't know if it does that for you. Some of you might need two hours or whatever, you know, is your, your routine. Maybe. How many of you are going to take a Sunday afternoon nap today? It's on the agenda of your schedule. Look, nobody's raising their hand. They're not going to admit it. <laughs> You'll fall asleep watching a ball game. How about them Cowboys last night? Mm. I, it has nothing to do with Jesus, but I'll tell you what, man. I was proud of them. Huh? Listen, time is extremely short. Make the most of the time because the days are evil. See, we've got to wake up, and here he tells us some reasons. He says, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Now, listen to the passage, and it tells you a little bit more. He says, there's a reason, and one of the reasons, a second reason, is because eternity is closer than it's ever been before. 
And he says these words, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when you first believed. Now, i got to confess something to you, even as a pastor. There have been times in my walk over these 40 years of serving as, as a pastor, youth pastor first and then a, a senior pastor since I was 21. I, uh, I can tell you, that there have been times I've just been more on fire for God than I have at other times in my life. And sometimes I didn't even know why. I had to kind of have some soul searching and had to go through something before I had kind of this wake-up time of coming back to life and growing again. I think it's really easy to get on a plateau spiritually. It really is. The power of the Spirit can shake you out of it. But I know that you've had those times as well. I don't think I'm confessing something that you haven't experienced as well. But I know that I need to wake up. Because here's what I've got. I've got this one day today, 86,400 seconds, that I get to live for Christ. Here we are on Sunday. We're in the Lord's house. It's the first day, first Sunday of 2019. Can you believe it? 2019, and here you are at church, and we all have to do something. We've got to listen to the Lord. We've got to allow His Spirit to move in our heart. And you've got to understand that He's telling all of us we have our slumber moments. We have our times of sleeping. We're not alert to what's going on around us. We're not awake like we need to be. We're not growing in Christ. We're not focused And that's exactly what he's speaking to in this passage. How many of you can remember all the people that wrote books and and, uh, just did all kinds of things? We were were living in Florida. And uh, at the time, right at the Space Center area. And one day I, I got up and, you know, 1988, I went to the back door, which is the front door. See, we pastors get that part backwards because this is the front of the church, the altar area and the stage, and, and back there. So I went back to the back door, the front door, and I was shaking hands. Tradition in that day, you just did that. That's what you did. You greeted everybody as they, they uh, came, came out. I look, and I see a couple dozen, dozen Asian people in our parking lot, and they're putting flyers on our, our windows. I thought, man, they, they look maybe Korean. Walked out there, and they, sure enough, were Korean. I start talking to one. I said, hey, what's, what's going on? What are you putting on our, I get the flyer, and it says, we're here. It's a little, little letter. And this is a note from our pastor in Korea. It was a mega church in Korea, huge church. And he had had God speak to him and tell him Jesus was coming back in 1988. It was in the spring, just right after Easter. And we had about six weeks until that time. And they all had left their church, and they were going to all, pl- all kinds of places in the United States, especially, so they could get the word out, and they were also going to other countries. And I said, this isn't true. And they said, oh, it's true. God gave him this word. Jesus is just about to come back. You need to prepare your people. You need to talk to the people here in Florida and tell them Jesus is coming back. Now, Jesus is coming back is true. Amen? But did he come back in 1988? He didn't show up. He didn't. I knew that was a lie because what does the Bible tell us? Man, always believe the book over somebody's story, right? 
The book says what? The book says that nobody knows what? The time or the hour. This guy, I mean, he had the hour down there. It was the day, and that's what he said. How many of you remember a few years ago, as in seven, that everybody was astir because the Maya calendar was coming to a close? It was 2012. In fact, at the end of the year, what was going to happen? Well, they were telling us, doomsday people, that it was the end of the world. Hollywood made a major, major, multi-million dollar movie picture still being shown called 2012. And it showed a little pocket of people surviving, right? They, they had ships, remember? Remember that movie? And basically the world just kind of came apart. They were leaving L.A. or someplace, and it was falling off in the ocean. You know, people keep wishing that on California. I don't know why. They keep, you know, it's going to fall off in the ocean. You're in Arizona, you're going to have beachfront property. I, would, I just, I, you know, I, I, 2012 came, the calendar ended, and here's what the Mayas said. The translation of their, their scholars was that there was coming a new age, a new beginning. Are we in a new age and a new beginning? Did Jesus come back in 2012? Did the end come? Help me, church. He didn't, did he? It's, in, it's important. Here's what I can tell you that's very factual, okay? I'm going to say something, and I'm going to say it in a biblical fashion. You are closer to Jesus' coming today than you ever have been before. You ought to amen that. You ought to amen that. You know why? Because it's true. I know that statement is true. You're closer to Jesus coming back now than any day you've existed before. I also know this. We can read in the Bible the signs of the times. And even though we can't predict a day and an hour, we can sense the season. And I want you to notice in this passage, what does he say in the scripture? He tells us that this day is what? That the day is, I mean, the night is what? It's evil. Listen to this. Uh, you ever feel like that? That things around you, even in some Bible Belt area, that it's like that? You see, it's time for some big changes. Check this out. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let, let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, this is in the book of Romans. This isn't Ephesians chapter 6 where he talks and gives us all that detail about the armor of God. But here it is being mentioned again. Paul says that the night is just about over and it's time for change. Paul says in verse 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Have you noticed that when the day comes, there's just something cool about the day? This, uh, at our house, we have a little dog. I bought him a, a, a toy poodle 15 and a half years ago. He's an old man now, and he has lots of problems. And one of the problems, we think he may have had a stroke back in the fall, and he recovered from that. We laid some hands on him and prayed over him, and he, he rose back up. Lord healed him. I'm not being facetious. He got, he got better. He got way better. 
we thought he's going down. We thought he's about to get put down. You know, that's you know, we were we were sad. And yes, I am the owner of a toy poodle. He's white and fluffy and everything. He's this little dude. 18, 20 pounds. I got him for Kemma for a gift. He's her dog. Believe me, she will tell you that's my dog. And he seems to know that. But I'm the other folk. Of course, Keela is too. This morning, he couldn't bark for months. Well, he got his voice back. We're not real happy about it. <laughs> because when he falls over at night, he can get up and walk. Sometimes he can get up by himself. But he gets on his side and he gets stiff and he can't get back up. So this morning at 4 o'clock, whoa, whoa. And being the fine Christian gentleman and husband that I am, I got up because I woke up. We, we share duties. I think Kimma does it more than I do. So at 4 o'clock, I got up. He went outside, did his thing. 5 o'clock, woof, woof. And I'm one of those people that if you wake me up, I'm up. The night's over for me. I just, that's the way I'm wired. I can't just lay back down and go to, go to sleep. So then about 6.15, which is about the time I normally get up for Sunday anyway, I'm like, we must love you. That's all I got to say is we must love. Now, the animal lovers in here, they get this, don't you? You get it. The people that don't have pets, they're like, you, something wrong with you and Kemma. Something wrong with you that you, you, you know, you're doing you know, you did that with your baby, and in a way, your pets are your babies. But I'm telling you, here's what happens in ministry at times. There's things you're going to lose sleep over because you need to be alert and awake. There's things that you will have to be more attentive to because ministry requires that. Here's the thing I can tell you about ministry after doing it all these years. It's messy. Ministry is messy. I can't just go do two hours here. When somebody's life, they might need me two days later. They might need something else another day later. They might need you every day that week. That's the hard part of this thing of serving Christ at times, isn't it? And that's when you're like, hey, I've got a friend, and we need to team effort this. Amen? Uh, And go at it that way. Uh, there's just times we need to do that. But every day when you get up, what do you do when you wake up? You stretch. That's because you're young. That's not what some of the rest of us do in here. I can tell you that. Amen? We may not even make it all the way through the night. Amen? I mean, there's, there's an appointment as soon as we get out of the bed. Amen? Come on. Let's be real. Right? You, you got business right away. Now, there's some other things I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to get a shower, wash my hair. I'm going to shave at least part of my face. I'm going to do those things. And then I'm going to put on clothes. And then you go to work. Now, if you're a college student, you keep your pajamas on, and you can go to some colleges like that. Kind of weird today, but that's their thing, right? They are. They just go. Go, go to class like that. Um, that. It happens, huh? We were down at Thanksgiving. We went down to see uh, my, my daughter and her family and our two precious grandchildren. It was, it was awesome. 
But I got very humbled when I first went in. Uh, I'm the biggest person in our family. I'm not going to say any more than that. So I go and I sit on the couch and my granddaughter jumps in my lap and she, she starts pushing around on my belly and she says, Peppy, that's my granddaddy name. She says, Peppy, how come your stomach is so big? And this is an ongoing thing with her. We have these discussions often. And I said, it, it just is. She said, oh. She said, what's in there? I said, uh, food. She said, what kind of food? I said, all kinds, lots and lots. I mean, you know, how do you explain that to a four-year-old? So then she does something that really humbled me. She takes her fingers, and she's sitting right on my lap. I'm on the couch. I mean, we haven't been there three, four minutes. And she starts doing this. And she's looking around at all my teeth. And I'm going, what in the world? This, is, this one's a new one. This just happened at Thanksgiving. And she says, Peppy, do you not know that when you come to visit me and other people, you should brush your teeth? She said, your teeth are yellow. I've had a complex ever since that day. My granddaughter told me my teeth were yellow. Uh, I'm, you know, those little white strips, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to do some of those. And, and I may go to the dentist and say, can, can you? I told her, I said, I promise you, Peppy brushed his teeth this morning. I really did. You get up every day and you do some personal hygiene things, don't you? You, you brush your teeth, you, you clean yourself up, you, you fix your hair. And some of you got a lot of hair. You got a lot of work to do, right? Fix that hair and you get that stuff done. Every day those are things that you have to do. See, part of the new day is that there's new opportunities, new things to do. Now, don't you come up to me and start looking at my teeth. If I see your eyes down here, I'm not going to smile, all right? So anyway, that, uh, that happened. But we, we do this stuff every day. Isn't it awesome that you get every day you get a new opportunity? God said his mercies are new every morning. Here it is, a new year. Here it is, a new day, and you get to have new experiences. Well, you've got to take care of business. You have personal hygiene and those things to take care of. You have spiritual hygiene to take care of. A few days ago, I sent you uh, an email, or at least all that I have emails. I have your email address. You got an email from me about uh, joining me in reading the Word of God through this year. And if you would like, like that, I'll send it to you. And there are a number of folks that are jo- have joined in and are going to read through the Word. Uh, I walked in the office the other day in two different offices, and I saw, I saw the, the printout, and I thought, hey, you're, you're joining me reading the Word through this year. And they're like, yeah, yeah, thanks. But uh, let me know that you're doing that. There's just, we don't have time to mess around, church. And you're going to, ch- you're going to hear my tune change just a little bit because I'm going to get more instructive and more vision casting that's going to be very open here real soon. Why? Because we've had a year to get to know each other. Now it's time for business. It's time to get busy. It's time for us to raise the bar and what does need to happen around here. I spent a year getting to know you. You spent a year getting to know me if you wanted to. I gave you a year. I did. I wanted to be a little slower about coming at you with vision. But you're getting ready to hear something. And you're going to hear a lot of it. 
And you're going to hear it not just from me, but from our staff. I'm so, so blessed by them. Listen to this. Change into your armor. That's a daily activity that you need to do every morning because we tend as living sacrifices to backslide. And we fail to keep in tune. Like an athlete, a band member, a person going to work, they've got to put on proper uniforms and proper equipment to get the job done. So do we to face that darkness. It's time to walk in the daylight, he says in verse 13. Let us behave, and how is it described? It's not described as being radical. It's described as decent. He says, behave decently as in the daytime. And then he tells us that we should, as we're walking in the daylight, daylight is comforting, isn't it? This morning when it started getting light, it was comforting. Where there is light, you can behave decently. The Spirit of God will equip you, and if you're obedient, He'll let you do that. He'll help you do that. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Here's the problem. In the darkness, there is sinfulness. And when we came to Christ, we still have an old nature. And you have to decide how much that old nature is going to rule and reign in you. And he starts saying some things that are old nature stuff that you need to dump in your life and listen to them. He says, let us not behave, let us behave decently as in the daytime. And then he gets, gives us a list, not in orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, and then he talks about jealousy. Listen to this. It's important we understand Paul's writing the church. The church still struggles with its old nature. We have to decide what we're going to do with each hour of each day and how we're going to live for him. That's why you need to not just pray and read the word every day. You need to do that multiple times a day. You need to meditate on his word. You need to pray as your day goes through because you may need more help as you go through your day. Amen? He says, and look at the rundown here. And these are, some of this stuff's sick. It's just sick. It's old nature stuff. Orgies. Yeah, he's talking about sexual orgies with multiple partners. That's what he's talking about. Don't let this be said. In their day, there was a problem with that. Do you think it still happens today? Sure it does. Drunkenness. Listen, you might be a drunk, somebody that gets, gets drunk, and you're one of those easygoing drunks. You're easygoing. You don't, you don't mess with anybody. You're just kind of out of it. That's unproductive, isn't it? But there's other drunks that are just mean, right? I've seen plenty of those. And there's other things that you need to realize about drunkenness. You're just going to lose it. You're going to do something you shouldn't do because you're not in your right mind. He talks about sexual immorality. And the Bible tells us that we really need to guard that in our lives. We live in a sexually perverse culture. In our houses, on our phones, on our tablets, you can tap into pornography just like that. I'm telling you, there's an epidemic in the church of Jesus Christ of pornography. Years ago, I started seeing this with men, and it's only gotten worse. And now, recently, in the few, last few years, I'm starting to see women that are engaged in pornography and need help to get out of that bondage. That's against nature. Guys, I want to tell you something. You've got to win that battle. That's why that book was named Every Man's Battle. You've got to win that battle. Why? Because it will wreck your life and how you look at sexuality. It really will. He says, put this off. It makes us unproductive. 
it causes you, it can make you into a pervert. It's so important we get a handle on that. Jesus said it so well. He says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who, who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. See, we can look at porn like that. We can look at images and be guilty of lusting after someone, committing adultery in our heart against our spouse, girlfriend, whoever. Guys, you just, we just, and I, and I say to everybody, it's, it's an epidemic in the church. I counsel people about this all the time. You got to win this victory, and through the strength of Christ and His power, you can. You can rise up against your flesh and rise above it. You really can. Jesus is stronger. He really is. Check this out. He mentions sensuality, and that's just talking about being led by not just our senses, but just being carnal, just having a, a fleshliness about us. The old nature is dominant, not the spirit. That's what he's talking about when he talks about that dissension. He talks about bickering with each other and fighting. And listen, one of the most goofy things that ever happens on planet Earth, Earth is when churches start fighting with each other. How ungodly is that? You're over here bickering on the sidelines, still playing the game on the field. And it happens all the time. The sixty mentions is jealousy. And man, somebody next door, they got something you don't have. Somebody at the church, I love this one. Somebody says, boy, if I had a gift like so-and-so and I could sing like that, I would serve the Lord. I'm like, don't have gift envy. God gave you a gift. He gave you at least one. He's probably given you multiple ones. And use those. And you know, nobody, everybody doesn't have to be on the stage. In fact, there's not enough room, is there? There would be no congregation. We've got many people have to be background people that are helping in all kinds of ways behind the scenes. Listen, there is no more important job than what people are doing with our children right now. Some of you need to get up and get busy, and that's part of the assignment today is God's calling you to work with children in 2019 at the Oak. Uh-huh. Preacher is not meddling. I'm preaching, believe me. That's the future of the church, and God has a special place in his heart for little ones. I know we don't see them. We're in here together, and you're like, that's not my thing. How do you know? Have you experimented? See, I'm a big experimenter about church. If you haven't experimented, you should try it. You never know. And then we need to be kind to you, and if that's not your thing, let you get out of it. Amen? You shouldn't keep doing something that you're not gifted or called to. We need to say, okay, experiment over, move over here, try something else. Listen to this. He says this to us. He says, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Verse 14. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have this vest on today, and let's say this is my old fleshly nature. Today I need to peel that. And then I need to put on the wrapping of Christ. I need to clothe myself, wrap myself, and that's the word, that's meditation, that is reading, that's hanging out with Christian people, having fellowship, it's studying the, the word, going having, having Bible study, it's fellowship, it's all these dynamics, it's witnessing, and it's prayer. And these basics have to be wrapped around us 
so that we can stand for Christ. Listen to this. I want to ask you, how are you going to spend today your 86,400 seconds? How are you going to spend it? Next, next question. What are you going to do with 2019? The parts that you can control. The time you have that you decide what you do. What are you going to do with it? 